0: And we're back with another episode of The Anarchist Experience, Episode 140, a.k.a. Season 2, Episode 8. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with... MC. And we're doing a podcast-only special edition this time because we're doing a roundtable discussion with your very special guests... Lee Schooland. And... Ken Schooland. Oh my god, that's right, luminaries in the anarchist and libertarian field... Uh, so what is up with you guys, or what is going on with you this week, MC?
1: Um, well, I'm doing good. Um, price of Monero is shooting through the roof, as is with most of the crypto world right now. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, what's right and wrong with a lot of people's interpretation of what is happening. Do you want to know about it? Of course, Always. All right, so basically, I hope to be quick with this. Take your time. I've said before, like, the the main thing about Bitcoin is that it's limited, as opposed to the Federal Reserve, which can keep printing out as much dollars as they want. There's only 21 million Bitcoins. Um, But to me, this isn't actually the most important aspect about Bitcoin. The most important thing about Bitcoin is that nobody can really stop it. So it's like uh, the BitTorrent network, where it's just people use it if they want to, and and nobody can really do anything about it. Um, and this is important because Bitcoin is a token currency, and anybody can make more tokens. And so what you see right now is everybody climbing into the Bitcoin price because Bitcoin's going up so fast. And and uh, but the cool thing about Bitcoin is you can trade it really easily for other things and for other cryptos and so that's what people do and that's one of the reasons why people are diversifying into Monero Um, but like I also said Bitcoin is going through a bubble phase right now and the real price uh, isn't going to be determined super fast and so you're going to see you know huge rides and a huge crash and just like with the stock markets uh, where 90% of traders either don't make anything or lose, um, this is going to kind of re- repeat that, that same equation. So there's another philosophy about crypto uh, investing and that is, uh, what I've been told, is never take a loss. So even if you get in <clears throat> right now $8,000 and the price tanks and goes back down to 2000 or something, uh, don't sell. Just uh, if, if you can't. Total. If, if you can hold, you, you should hold um, and wait for the next bubble to happen or to even out at a higher price than you bought it for. Um, this helps the price, but also helps you not lose money. Um, so that's where we are. We're in the middle of a bubble, in my opinion. And uh, so good luck to everybody out there. And like I said, from I, I kind of veered off from my original point. Uh, the main thing about Bitcoin is that it's not being stopped or it can't be stopped. Uh, it hasn't been yet. Um, it's worldwide. Uh, if you can't use it in your country, there's another country that will accept them. Um, and the good thing about Bitcoin is not just the Bitcoin network itself but the philosophy that you can create new currencies uh, anytime so if the bitcoin network gets corrupted or taken over by uh, another uh, force a government force or a corporate force or whoever you don't like you can either make a new coin or use a coin that somebody else made that that follows your values and uh so the coin that resonates with my values the most right now is Monero um, might not always be that way but it's my favorite and that's what um, I always tell people to buy so that was the longest intro I've ever done I think
0: now speaking of Monero we're sitting here at uh, the home of Lee and Ken school and, and they just recently purchased some Monero from Matt so if you guys want to talk about that experience uh, getting you know involved in the crypto space after knowing about it for so long and having your one dollar of Bitcoin turn into eighteen dollars over how many years, uh finally, you know, moving into into something else.
2: Yeah, not not how many years. It was uh fifteen months. Oh,
0: okay.
2: I bought uh one dollar actually was uh like ninety some cents of uh Bitcoin and today I checked it. It was uh, more than eighteen dollars. And um yeah. Matt had been telling me about it for years, but then, because I didn't understand the technology, so and also because I didn't have the money, so I didn't jump onto it. I felt really bad about it. But I, from the very beginning, I always loved the concept because it broke, it broke the government monopoly on currency. Actually, you know, currency exists before government exists. It existed. But for some reason, a lot of people. Most of people thought only government has right to issue currency, which is really false. And um, when Bitcoin came out, I all, I was so happy to see that. But then I I was I didn't have uh, investors mind, so <laughs> I didn't invest in it. But I've been watching it. So finally today I bought some uh, Monero from Matt. I'm very happy about it.
0: How was that transaction for you? Like the complicated, very simple, easy to do, enjoy the process?
2: Not difficult because Matt is helping me, uh, but I can see the process is very secure because they have extra measures for the security. And uh, more than anything, <laughs> I ha- I have experience with the government um, currency or the bank uh deposit or open a bank
0: account procedure so it's really fun exciting now how about you ken i mean we we kind of briefly introduced you for a minute but and we don't do like special guests on the show like this is not necessarily an interview show but i can say without a shadow of a doubt you're probably the most famous person guaranteed the most famous person uh in this community to ever be on this show and it's and it's no big deal. So if you want to, you know, give a little bit about yourself and and your process with this crypto space, as that's the topic on the table, or anything else you want to discuss. Well, that worries me
3: about your show. That if I if I'm the most famous that you've ever had on your show, that's um, no. And I'm really pleased to be talking about this. Uh, Matt spoke uh, recently in my uh, university class about uh, Bitcoin and digital currencies, and it was a, a mind blower for the students. They really enjoyed it, especially after hearing. A whole course about uh, how the government's uh, uh, legalized the government monopoly over currency in order to drive uh, private currencies out of the out of the competition and now the competition's coming back in through the internet and I, I think that's uh, remarkable uh, my biggest uh, worry is that the more governments feel threatened by this the more they're going to f- try to find ways to uh, to stop it but Like the illegal drug market, they haven't been successful. They've just uh, been successful at driving it underground and making it more profitable. And I'm guessing that probably um, digital currencies will be even more profitable the more governments try to combat them.
0: Now, I just had a thought while listening to you uh, give that explanation. Um, One of the things that I get heat for or crap for or shit for online uh, on this show specifically uh, comes from other "quote-unquote" anarchists of the ancom variety that say uh, talking about Bitcoin is is pure capitalism um, and has nothing to do with anarchy or libertarianism. Since I know uh, Ken, you 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 don't carry the anarchist label in polite society. Uh, but uh, what are your guys' thoughts on on that? As far as you know, because again, this is the anarchist experience. Um, as far as where crypto falls in that space, and you can comment on this too, MC. Um, is is this the wave of the future to get away from the state? And wh- what do the ancoms have to say about that in general? I
1: don't know. I don't know how to answer that. But the, the first thing that comes to my mind is that I want to keep the currency long enough where I don't have to convert back into the government's money. Um, I, I'd prefer to use something that's more honest and, uh, uh, not corrupted and, and more fair. And so that's, that's the future that, that I look forward to is one that is not, uh, regulated and controlled by, uh, those international bankers that, uh, People sometimes forget that that's where the source of the the debt and the the, the monetary system uh, comes from. So I don't know. Do you have any input on this? Yes.
2: Country, so. Yes. <laughs> My background is uh, communist China, and I'm um, so excited about this whole um, movement because uh, ever since uh, Bitcoin came out, now thousands of different kinds of cryptocurrencies are bubbling here and there, and a lot of government try to jump uh, onto the ship as well. And uh, I think this is exciting because it's really broke the monopoly of um, government, monopoly on currency. And uh, I'm hoping more um, merchants and um uh, institutions will accept these uh, crypto uh, currencies um, other than just uh, um, government issued uh, colorful papers and the fiat money and uh, I think that's also le- will lead to more other uh, uh, lead more other areas um, instit- uh, i mean industries into um, breaking, out, uh, breaking away from government monopolies. So, I'm very optimistic about this whole movement, breaking away from government, controlling government monopoly.
3: Well, you know, the government's actually pioneered in crypto, in digital currencies. That's why they, uh, they don't really have to print hard currency for your pocket Most all of the money in the country has just been added digitally by the Federal Reserve Board, but without any kind of restraint. And it's odd that people will find that uh, so acceptable and yet find it uh, uh, sort of puzzling and unacceptable when other currencies are. I have in my wallet uh, a lot of currencies that have been printed by other countries, and and they've become worthless. Here's the Zimbabwe $100 trillion uh, note that uh, a lot of people used for... Um, you know, uh, in Zimbabwe, and uh, the inflation was so great that it just eventually became worthless. And the uh, the dinars—I have the five five hundred billion dinar note here of uh, of Serbia during the war with uh, Croatia and Bosnia—and they um, their currency had become uh, worthless as well. Why will would people constantly be finding that acceptable? Uh, and I, I think it's largely because they don't really understand it. And my, my difficulty in in adapting to the Bitcoin and the digital currencies today is that I don't really understand enough. I'm uh, of the old school and and uh, sort of think of, of money as something concrete that I can hold in my hand. But understanding how to do transactions uh,
0: online, that's something I'm learning about, and, and Matt's been a great help. See, I think that's another area, too, that I I personally, when I'm explaining this to other people, when they go like, well, you mean it's not real? Like, I don't get to hold a coin. And, you know, these are usually like coworkers. And I go like, well, you get your paycheck direct deposited. Right. And then you go to the bank or then you go to the store and you swipe a debit card. Right, where where is the reality in that transaction? Right, where what money are you holding in your hand? Right, when your check goes into an, uh, an account online and then it comes out the other end to, to buy goods and services, and how is, how is that mentality uh, significantly different from you know having Bitcoin, uh, transfer it into your wallet and then transfer it out of your you know your, your digital wallet when you buy you know goods and services at merchants that take Bitcoin. So I, I can I can understand where you're coming from, Ken, as far as you know ho- holding holding paper bills in your hand, um, and th- there's some people out there that suggest that you know that that cryptocurrency is not for old people, right? You do not get your grandma and grandpa involved in Bitcoin because it's just it's above them, it's not for them, it's you know it's for the new millennium, it's for all the millennials out there who you know are, are seeing the new wave and can understand the technology. Um, but again, when when you've got friends like Matt. Uh, MC over here. Um, is that the first time we've ever used like Matt on the show? I feel bad about it now. I think I've mentioned it a couple of times. Okay, there you go. Real name out in the open. <laughs> uh, when you got friends like him to, to kind of walk you through it and explain the process, you know, if you do want to get grandma and grandpa involved, it just takes a little bit of extra effort on your part um, to to go ahead and and get them with that. Um, any other anything else in the crypto space that you guys want to mention or talk about?
1: Well, as far as the physical coins goes, um, in, in the future I see uh, a, a few, at least a few cryptocurrencies t- turning to gold and silver and other precious metals. And so the the token will be exchangeable for actual uh, metals. And um, there, there's a f- few problems, obvious problems with that. Uh, do they actually hold the reserves or not? Um, but the idea would be that for the people who want something physical to trade, that they would be able to actually get that physical stuff. So, um, in the case that that fiat goes the way of the dinosaur, um, there is definitely going to be uh, alternatives involved in the crypto space and uh, and bringing it, you know, into the physical world. So, um, I I have no doubt that capitalism has a better solution than a mo- monopolistic government
2: well I something I just remembered on something um, I think the cryptocurrency is not just um, uh, another means of uh, uh, for transaction and uh, it's also add a lot of uh, security to a person's life because uh, right now like rich just mentioned people use debit card credit card these are recorded so somebody can use that information to monitor your life and uh as i mentioned earlier i'm from china in china people are so proud of uh, how convenient that they can use their phone there's an app called wechat I, I, it's uh b- part of the uh tencent uh company and uh this app you can uh, use as a wallet, you can use as a bank account, everything. So people no longer need to carry cash. And they felt really uh, uh, convenient about that. But they don't know what's behind it because uh, uh, every transaction is re- uh, registered with the government. And uh, they know where you eat, where you um, uh what you eat, where you sleep, uh, every, everything, every aspect of your life was controlled, um, monitored by the government because uh, you um, use this um, uh, app to spend your money to do uh, transactions, to send money to friends and to purchase things and to uh, pay bills and everything. The convenience actually is very dangerous uh, in my opinion. So now we have uh, alternatives. So we can uh, kind of step away from the government monitoring uh, you. And um, for a while I thought a credit card was convenient. And so I stopped using paper money, physical money. Then I realized how much information I'm giving up uh, by using credit card and then of course in China and uh, the government make people feel really happy feel convenient uh, feel um, easy to spend their money but they forgot you know government is getting every uh, bit of information of your private life so I'm so glad that we have alternatives now and um, just hope there's going to be more and uh, and of course marketplace will um function and uh, the ones are uh, false ones will disappear and the good ones and sound ones will stay so we don't need to worry about that the bubble and uh, also some uh, uh bad intended intentioned people to um take advantage of this uh, phenomenon so I th- I'm, I trust the market
3: uh, I'm sure that this is repeating stuff that your listeners may be familiar with uh, already but <laughs> but for uh, from 1800 to 1913 the purchasing power of the dollar was very constant in gold uh, when we had gold backing meaning that every dollar that the government printed had to be re- redeemable in gold or silver at a certain fixed quantity. Uh, then in 1913, when the Federal Reserve uh, was created, they authorized the Federal Reserve to completely abandon the gold standard, although they at first just dropped the quantity of, uh, of backing and um, started to print up a lot of money. And ever since then, we've had lots of inflation. Now it takes uh, probably uh, $100 to buy what $1 or $2 could have bought 100 years ago. Um, There was a guy named uh, Bernard Van Nothaus. who used to own the Royal Hawaiian Mint, gold and silver coins and all that he was selling. And then he started up what was called the Liberty Dollar and issuing these warehouse receipts for gold and silver that would be backed uh, by gold and silver. And for quite a long time, he was um, issuing these as uh, private barter currency. And the government uh, arrested uh, him and confiscated all of his gold and silver Stock and uh, put him out of business. Charged him. Actually, the U.S. attorney charged him with domestic terrorism for undervaluing or uh, undervaluing the uh, uh, devaluing the the value of the currency of the U.S. currency. Well, the only reason that it would be devalued would be if people preferred something that was backed in gold and silver to what the U.S. government had. But that was considered uh, criminally. It was sort of uh, considered counterfeiting. Now, whoever counterfeits with something more valuable than what you're uh, you're replacing it with um, and yet for that he was uh, uh, you know uh, charged and eventually convicted of uh, having to have to spend five years in house arrest house arrest and no longer allowed to uh, continue on with this uh, kind of business uh, but clearly it's a choice in currency choice in currency is the greatest way to encourage the governments to stop printing up their own money because if people could choose something else um, they would stop valuing the government's money so they would have to print less and that's what Friedrich Hayek uh, long ago advocated in his book uh, the denationalization of money arguing uh, that allowing choice in currency was the best way to stabilize uh, all the currency values and that's what we're having now with many digital choices um, it uh, well I I think it causes governments to have to think about Uh, second thoughts about printing up trillions of dollars as they've done with quantitative easing one two and three and uh, i i'd say that this is a a great benefit to the general population but of great worry to governments because then they they can't uh print their money to to finance everything that they want to to spend for
0: now as you were talking about that ken you pulled out one of those warehouse receipts from the liberty dollar um one thing to mention that during, the, during that situation with Bernard von Nothaus, uh, they confiscated all of his gold and silver and copper coins. So I think, you know, as a testament for me to say, you know, getting, if you're going to use alternative currencies and have them, you know, backed by gold and silver, uh, taking physical delivery. Because, you know, in, in your wallet, you've got a warehouse receipt uh, for a piece of silver that can no longer be claimed. Um, and somewhere in my wallet, I've got an actual piece of silver from the same company. <laughs> so, um, you know, and I guess if we, if we want to make this, tie this back into cryptocurrency is, you know, what is what is the state, what is the government going to come after, um, you know, when when they ha- when they run into the same problem they did with, with the Liberty dollar? right? And then we're like, well, you know, you're, you're out competing us, you know, how are they going to confiscate? You know, uh, digital Bitcoin, right? I mean, how do I mean? You know, we have uh, was it the Silk Road with Ross Ross Ulbricht, where they they got control of his wallet, you know, and you know because they got control of his computer. So how do you how do you secure yourself? You know, this might be a rhetorical question, but if you guys want to answer, how do you secure yourself against the state when they eventually do come knocking um, on the Bitcoin on the Bitcoin door? I mean, we do the show from Hawaii. And all the exchanges are already banned here, right? Which, you know, luckily for me, um, makes my price go up on on the cash market uh, when when I'm doing those trades. But does anybody want to take a shot at that? How do you secure yourself from the state uh, if they do come knocking? Well,
1: my my solution is quite simple. It's encryption, and there's multiple ways of doing that. But uh, I don't know. (laughs) Does anybody else want to take a stab at it?
0: Moving on, then. Um, uh, Lee, you mentioned earlier, getting away from government monopolies and there's another big topic on the table. I'm going to change the subject. Uh, there's another big topic on the table that's irritating me because it, it inundates my news feed on Facebook and it inundates my show prep feed, uh, as I'm trying to find, you know, decent topics, uh, to do headlines for here. Um, and that's the issue of net neutrality. Um, and I posted a little, little bit on Facebook this morning um, because apparently, apparently I have a lot of dumb friends on Facebook, and and so I get the constant "Please sign my petition uh, to support net neutrality because we can't give up the internet uh, to the big bad, you know, capitalist companies." And and my little blurb on Facebook—I uh, don't know how you guys feel about foul language—but was basically, you know, all all of my fuckwit friends out there. Uh, What they need to understand about this whole net neutrality thing is net neutrality in general um, is a solution looking for a problem that doesn't exist. Um, And what I didn't add because I felt like that was a good stopping point to get my message across to dumb people was that it's it's an infringement uh, upon more freedoms of the people like it's it's another state power grab. um, And that's and that's all thereafter. So oddly enough right if you want to like chalk one up for the trump administration which we're not supporters of here at least i hope this whole table is not supporters of um is is at least they're looking to repeal a little bit of that and you know you know uh i've got i've got an article for it here somewhere Um, but basically you know we we take little wins where we can uh if you can reduce state power anywhere that's probably a good thing um, in the long run, so for all those net neutrality people out there who like you don't want it, um, just look, just take a little deeper look as to what's really going on. Um, and I know they throw out they threw out one example, where it's like you know some Portuguese mobile phone company um, charges you know like a piecemeal basis for access, and like oh this is what's going to happen. You know if we if we give the corporations, then they'll start charging a separate price for Facebook and a separate price for Netflix and a separate price to check your email. And, you know, when I, I saw that, I was like, well, does that mean if I only use Facebook, I can get the Internet cheaper? Because sign me up then, right? Because, you know, what, why wouldn't I want to only pay what I'm using uh, rather than pay for everything that I don't necessarily use, number one? And number two, their example was for a mobile company, uh, you know, which has severely restricted bandwidth usage uh, uh, rather than, you know, your normal uh, cable Internet or DSL ISP. Right there, there's more of a reason for a mobile company to restrict bandwidth usage uh, across different uh, platforms than it would be for your your average everyday ISP. So I didn't even think that that was a fair comparison. Number one, um, but it, it's the the problem itself. What I'm trying to get at here is it's government monopolies that create the problem of corporations being too big to restrict your internet. Right? If you if you had more choice and more competition in the marketplace. Well, then you wouldn't have to worry about you know, certain companies like AT&T or Verizon or Comcast or Spectrum or whoever limiting what you can do on the Internet uh, because the moment they place a limit on something that opens up some competition in the marketplace for another company to come in and say, hey, we'll charge you less and you can have all this too. And I think that's better for the Internet itself um, than giving, giving the state more power uh, to control everyone's access on the whole. Uh, thoughts?
2: Well, um, big company monopoly is only possible under crony capitalism. In the true marketplace, it won't happen because the competition, the innovation, and um, uh, millions of entrepreneurs coming out every minute. And uh, monopoly, natural monopoly, is very hard to come to come out only with government um, uh, backing and um, crony capitalism, create monopoly.
3: Yeah, you made you, you made an excellent point here. I'm I'm thinking. Well, who are these guys who are considered about concerned about uh, net neutrality? Are these the same guys that give out? Uh, uh, franchise monopolies to local cable companies are they aren't they the same ones that give favors to um, uh, various uh farm lobbies and to bank lobbies and to uh uh every you know the the legal monopolies the and the the medical monopolies and everybody that's lobbying congress is um expecting favors from them and i, I think usually when they announce that there's about to be a change in policy they're really just sending out a signal to everybody to start making campaign contributions to influence their vote one way or another. (laughs) And uh, rather than uh, trusting the free market, they're um, showing their power to manipulate the markets to get their uh, to their own advantage.
0: I think that's one of the big things, the big takeaways from the Trump administration in general, right? Like everyone calls him the ultimate capitalist, but reality he's the ultimate crony capitalist, right? His, his whole career has been off you know getting favors here and there from whomever he can and working the system as much as he can and so you know when 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 we talk about capitalism at this table, um, I think we eliminate the crony capitalists from you know from the discussion and focus more on what you know I consider personally to be a more pure form of capitalism. Um, and which is why I self identify as an anarcho-capitalist. Um, and I don't think either of those needs to be hyphenated because I think each in its purest form reflects the other. Um, I, I know there's been some disagreement on that and there's definitely a lot of disagreement on that, uh, with stupid people on the internet, um, who just don't understand it or they understand it and then ignore that fact, um, in order to, you know, push their own talking points, um. And again, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, but that happens a lot, uh, you know, w- within the, and converse and cap, you know, debate groups and talking points, you know, and, and again, you know, I, I post this show weekly in those groups, just, just so people can have a listen. Um, uh, and they usually don't, they just like, they see the topic headline or they, the, you know, one guy saw the black and yellow logo and immediately said like, Oh, this is a fascist show. And I went, well, what do you mean? He's like, you're, you're like, you know, dog whistling to the fascists with your black and yellow I'm like I don't even know what dog whistling means, man. Like you know, I I created this logo years ago for a whole t- entirely different purpose, you know, and it, we just it just fits the show appropriately. So there's no, you know, there's there's no dog whistle. There's nothing like that. It's just it is what it is. It's it's the logo for the show. And if you're going to comment, right, at least please have a listen to what we're talking about, um, because uh, unless you're one of those, you know, that are pro-state, uh, you know, communists, which I'm sure all of you are. Uh, you really don't understand what you're talking about number one, and you don't understand the message that we're trying to get across uh number two and that's why you know a lot of the show um focuses in the crypto space um and this is you know m- mostly because m c knows what he's talking about um and that's you know one of the things that he said he can cooperate this because he's, he's sitting here um is that getting into the crypto space is the best way currently uh to remove yourself from state institutions, right? If, if you if you want to live an anarchist lifestyle and you want to, you know, live your own personal anarchist experience, the easiest way to do that is to remove yourself from the state apparatus. And cryptocurrencies and other forms of that technology allow you to remove yourself from those apparatuses, right? You know, you can, you can trade in crypto. Now, I, I do want to say one thing because I, I thought about this uh, after we did the last show um, and you kind of mentioned it here now, MC, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot real quick um, because you said the end goal is to, to stay in crypto, right? The end goal is to not have to, you know, to, to move back into Federal Reserve notes or, you know, Bolivars or, you know, or even Liberty dollars, um, whatever. Um, but when we were talking before, you said, you know, if you're investing in crypto, um, at some point you have to realize your profits. And I said, well, how do you do that, right? And your response at the time was, well you gotta convert it back into dollars. And I, I I respect that answer, but my only concern, not from an investor perspective, but from you know want uh, a, to say morally righteous maybe perspective or a you know a, a philosophic perspective is I don't ever want to do that. Right? Like I if if, if I if, if I can make money on Bitcoin and the only way to realize um, the profits is to get back into you know state-run, uh, Federal Reserve fiat currency, uh, then I would just as soon call the experiment a failure.
1: Sure, and uh, so if if the option was available already, which it's it's getting there, uh, for the ability to convert. Whatever crypto you're holding, let's say it's bitcoin uh and the and the price is, is bubbling out of control and, and and looks like a collapse is imminent um would be to convert it to gold and and in the future, there's gonna be a way to get a digital token that is represented by an actual physical store of gold somewhere uh that you can have delivered to your house if you want it to um so in the absence of that my my answer is well one one of the only reasons which I really say to cash out is so that you can buy more cryptocurrency when when it collapses. And so, when, whenever Bitcoin does go into this bubble phase, it, you know, went up to a thousand dollars before, and it went all the way back down to two hundred. Um, so it'd be good to be able to support the price at you know five hundred instead of two hundred. Um, so that'll help stabilize it out in, in the long run. Um, Another thing is because uh, a lot of people are getting into the bubble uh, just hoping to flip it to make a little bit of money, but they're not really good at it. Um, So if if you sell a little bit ahead of them, then when they go to sell, then you'll be able to help them out by uh, supplying the market with uh, more, um, what's the word? Uh, Liquidity. liquidity. There you go. Um, So it's... It, it, it's also a way to make more profit for yourself, um, but uh, but still the, the the goal is if if you do sell it uh, sell it so you can either buy more crypto or get something that you that you need. Um, I, I don't think uh, acquiring more U.S. dollars is really anybody's goal. As soon as people get U.S. dollars, the first thing they do with it is either give it to a bank. Uh, to get interest on it, or they give it to the stock market to get uh, an increase in value on it. Or, you know, everybody's always trying to give their, their money away because the in inflation rate of U.S. dollars. Uh, every once in a while, um, the whole U.S. economy goes into bubble mode, which I think we're in right now. And it's, it's possible that there's going to be another big crash. And so, every once in a while it's good to have some money some some cash uh stored under your mattress but not very many people do that and it's hard and it's really hard to time so um but yeah and, until we get a situation where we can easily switch it over to gold and silver which is uh more a more stable value uh than than even dollars um then uh, cash right now is just the the best option uh so yeah do do your uh Do your best trading, um, not only for yourself, but for the market and for other people who get freaked out and they have to sell at a lower price, uh, and hopefully it's not too low.
0: Uh, We have a frequent caller to the show and and friend of the show, Cosmo Curmudgeon. Um, And at one point, I don't know if I sent you this picture, MC, but I I did send it to M., uh, it was like a headline on Reddit that basically said, uh, "No matter how bad your day is, you know, just remember a few days ago, uh, someone uh, panic sold 55 their their Bitcoin at 5,500 uh, and bought Bitcoin Cash at 2,800." Um, and when I when I sent that you know little picture to a friend of the show Cosmo Curmudgeon, uh, his response was, "Yeah, that was me." <laughs> <laughs> So the, the, the only guy that I know so far, you know, managing to lose money, trading Bitcoin, uh, <laughs> and my instructions, it was just like, just buy it and let it ride, just hold it. And it, but no, he's, you know, he's playing the speculation. Um, and, and there's the result there. Now we don't have advertisers on this show, but I do hear advertisements on other shows. Um, and one of the other, you know, podcasts I used to listen to, uh, probably a friend of your guys is Ernie Hancock. Um, You know, his big thing for a long time was, well, the purpose of holding Bitcoin is so that I can convert it to gold and silver later. Um, And one of the, you know, sponsors on his show and another show that I listen to is uh, Roberts and Roberts. And they will take Bitcoin uh, and give you gold and silver rounds. So if that's something that you're looking to do based on what MC just said, well, you know, they're not a sponsor, but they're the ones that I know of. So there's, you know, there's there's an out for you. Uh, to convert your, your Bitcoin winnings uh, into something more solid uh, like gold and silver. Anything else from anybody?
1: And and not, not to toot my own horn, horn here, but one of the reasons why I do sell, especially to some people, is because the market is demanding it right now. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of local people around here that, that really want the Bitcoin. And I'm help, happy to help uh, spread it around a little bit. I don't need to sell it right now. I think it's going to go over 10000 but it's really not going to hurt me uh, to sell it lower than 10000 So I, I do uh, uh, help people out in that way. Um, and I also try to give them good advice, you know. Like I, I don't want people to lose any value. And, uh, you know, so be, uh, be one of the top 10% that actually makes money on it and uh, or value, if you want to call it that way, and doesn't lose it. Thanks. <laughs>
2: My story of uh uh benefiting from uh by uh Bitcoin was um actually um back to the um topic we talked about earlier. The o- older people don't un- um usually don't understand the Bitcoin and they stay away from it that but it's not always true. This um couple they're in their late 70s, maybe early, even early 80s. They, um, they have a lot of Bitcoin because they're smart, and now they're using that to support me with my activities um, to spread the idea of liberty in Asian countries, and um, they contribute Bitcoin to support me. And um, so I'm benefiting from it, which is
0: really great. All right. Anything else? Headlines? Headlines?
1: How much time do we have? 20 minutes.
0: Wow. I know, right? Headline. Goodbye, net neutrality. Hello, competition. We can read that if you want to hear the exact same thing I just said. Uh, Headline. Beyond stupid. Florida court declares it illegal to grow food in your own front yard. Headline, uh, why we love farmers markets. Uh, And finally, headline, innocent family raided by SWAT held at gunpoint after cops mistook hibiscus for weed.
1: Are you going to read the article? You can read it, I guess, and then I'll tell you what I think about that.
0: Which one do you want to start with? The, the last
1: one. The, uh, so these people raided these people's houses because somebody called the, the police officers and said, hey, there's weed there, but it was actually hibiscus. So, Hawaii
0: state flower. Way to summarize. <laughs> Butler County, Pennsylvania. A uh, Butler County couple is suing their insurance agent and local police after the two colluded to arrest the family for growing marijuana. However, the family was not growing marijuana. They were growing hibiscus. The nationwide insurance agent was investigating a claim surrounding a fallen tree last month when he noticed what he thought was cannabis. Being the good little see-something-say-something citizen that he's supposed to be, he then acted the agent notified the Buffalo Township Police Department that he saw what he believed to be marijuana growing in the couple's home. Instead of doing even the most basic police work and investigating the matter with, let's say, a pair of binoculars, police reportedly got a warrant instead. Uh, After getting their warrant, they decided it would be a good idea to go into the home like a SWAT team going after a fugitive. On October 5th, police decided to execute this search warrant and penetrate the Kramer home. Audrey and Edward Kramer had no idea what was coming their way. Uh, Audrey Kramer told reporters, I'm starting to understand why a lot of the public do not trust police officers. I really feel like I've been smacked in the face with this, and no, I don't think I'll ever trust a police officer again. Uh, She said they knocked on the door and pushed their way inside when she opened it. Uh, She was still in her underwear. They came in with assault rifles and guns ready to shoot anyone who posed a threat and only left when they realized the plant they were looking for was actually a hibiscus plant. Uh, Now the couple is suing. Uh, their attorney Al Lindsay said she came down, she opened the door, she was confronted with what she thought was a dozen police officers with assault weapons who said they had a warrant. They pushed her, they went through the house. Uh, it's not the first time police have been ignorant in their understanding of horticulture. Uh, in their insane quest to squash cannabis users and growers, a drug which kills no one, police have made it their business to invade people's homes, disturb their privacy, and use civil asset forfeiture to confiscate their possessions." uh as the free thought project has reported cartersville georgia cops used a helicopter and an invasion force to invade Dwayne perry's property in search of cannabis instead of finding the healing herb they found perry's ochre crop uh, perry reflected on the home invasion by police here i am at home and retired and you know i do the right thing then they come to my house strapped with weapons for no reason it ain't right uh, the more i thought about it what could have happened anything could have happened Uh, As Matt Ageris described in 2015, a lot of negative things can happen when police take it upon themselves to shirk their responsibility to do basic investigative work before taking such drastic measures as to call in a SWAT team. Uh, The Garden of Eden, a hippie commune in Arlington, Texas, was raided after police suspected the group of growing weed. Uh, Ageris wrote the commune was invaded by Arlington SWAT and humiliated when they didn't find cannabis. What they did find, however, was a myriad of fruits and vegetables, and they seized them. (laughs) After seemingly disgusted themselves for such an ignorant and ill-conceived plans, the officers heroically proceeded to confiscate 17 blackberry bushes, 15 ochre plants, 14 tomatillo plants, native grasses, and sunflowers. It's time for the insanity to stop. Instead of going after cannabis users and growers, police instead need to turn their attention to real crimes, which there are actual victims." As a result of their buffoonery, the Buffalo Township Police will now likely be responsible for causing every citizen's property's tax to rise. The Kramer family will likely win their civil suit in court, and taxes will have to rise to cover the cost of infringing on a family's rights. But nothing will likely change the epidemic of badge abuse uh, taking place all across the country. Now, there were a lot of laughs at this table, uh, which is fine because it, it highlights the ridiculous nature of this. Uh, But we have to also keep in mind that these are real people whose homes are being really invaded uh, by men and women, men men and women armed to the teeth uh, over over such things as, you know, okra plants and hibiscus. Uh, So you're holding out your hand, MC. You wanted to comment a little bit more on this. And then I want your two thoughts um, on, you know, the the police state in general uh, and what can be done to rein that in, um, you know, going forward.
1: So that, that article was very well written. And, uh, and and it's very entertaining at the same time as very sad. Um, so actually my solution that I came up with to help highlight this issue even further would be to find out where all the police live, take photos of all the plants in their yards, and send them to all the other police stations in the area and say, hey, look, he's growing marijuana, and they all get swatted. Um, swatted is a term that came from video games where uh, people would uh call a, a SWAT team to somebody else's house and they'd get raided on camera live and everybody would have a laugh. But I really think this would be a good opportunity to, to flip it on to the police officers where the re- police officers are arresting and, and 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 uh you know breaking into the police officers home so they could get a, a taste of their own medicine. Uh, I think that would just be great
2: well talking about that um the recent uh a church shooting in uh, Texas. It was uh, a private citizen who lived across the street from the church got his own gun and came out and shot the criminal and um, eventually uh, killed him uh, caused his death and the police only came five minutes after that so I truly believe that we should take um, the duty, responsibility of protecting ourselves into our own hands, and uh, I do not want to count on the police. And uh
3: you know, there are a number of tragedies in this whole case. Take, for example, just uh, accountability. Okay, suppose. Okay, now they're going to sue, but the ones who are going to be paying for it aren't the ones who actually did it. The ones who are going to be. Paying for it will be taxpayers, and the ones who actually did the the the, the folly, the 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 foolish act of uh, raiding without investigating uh, this this uh, case, uh, they're going to be fine. No penalty to them. If not, if anything, maybe uh, maybe a promotion because they did such an effective job or something. Um, so that's that's a problem. And then the next thing you mentioned was about uh, the how this woman or man said that they would never trust police again. Well. You know, think about cases of harassment that we've been so much in the news lately about, um, you know, sexual harassment and so on. Well, how, you know, there's a lots of ways of being harassed, not just sexual harassment, but this kind of police harassment is the kind of thing that traumatizes people for the rest of their lives, makes them distrust, so they're less likely to call the police on uh, uh, something that is genuinely in their in their uh, in their purview, but also this. Uh, whole concept of civil affi- asset forfeiture is a tragedy where the government can uh presume to take your house um, because it it may be involved with a uh, a drug deal well this sets a pr- really perverse incentives for the police to constantly do this sort of thing because there's everything to be gained and nothing to be lo- uh, lost by going after people's uh, property in this sort of way and of course the ultimate tragedy is that marijuana is the tool for all this and so therefore the country has been deprived of a, a, a very useful um, plant uh, for a, a variety of its uh, functions and so on and so many thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people's lives have been ruined in the broader case uh, just for our, our foolish drug laws and not only in this country but the drug laws here have permeated abroad where we've caused so much more crime and uh, tragedy in other countries because of the uh, uh, enormous profits that uh, go to the uh, drug world um, through prohibition, something that proved unsuccessful, wildly unsuccessful during the alcohol prohibition, but continues on under all the other forms of of drug prohibition today.
0: I want to touch on your point real quick, MC, uh, for the solution that you offered in having cops raid other cops. Um, and it, we talked about that. We had a, we had an article for Show Prep. Um, might have been one when, when you were gone. But it was basically, you know, a, a similar situation with a drug sting gone wrong, which was there were undercover cops posing as drug dealers. Um, and then they were approached by undercover cops from a different department posing as drug buyers. <laughs> <laughs> and then it turned into a fight in the street uh, with, uh, you know, pre- <laughs> yeah. to. Precinct- yeah, fist fight precinct versus precinct because you know both were shouting at the others to like you know get on the ground, you're under arrest, and both were shouting back, Oh, no, no, we're cops, we're cops, we're but yeah, we're you get on the ground, yeah, co- you on the ground. And, and you know, so so you know, we, we, these th- that type of solution, you know, would be funny, right? Because we'll get another article of you know, a, a cop raiding another cop's home, um but the the whole like the the whole house raid reminds me of um does everyone remember Barry Cooper? No, he was like a former narcotics officer did the never get busted series um, to help people like hide their weed from cops, you know, whether traveling with it or in your home. Anyway, he did he did a sting operation, you know, s- n- similar, not not exactly what you're proposing, MC. Um but he did a sting operation. He called it like cop busters to, to show that the cops in Texas at the time uh, were using illegal FLIR cameras uh, to bust uh, marijuana houses. So he had set up a grow in a house that you would never know was a grow operation unless you use these special infrared cameras. And inside the house, he was growing Christmas trees. But he had the house like with, you know, Christmas trees and grow lights and then also cameras set up, so that when the when the cops raided the house, they were busted on camera, raiding a house with Christmas trees with no evidence whatsoever you know that there was ever a marijuana grow operation or the smell of marijuana or neighbors knowing about marijuana in the house. Just, just the grow lights that you could only see with, you know, these, uh, FLIR cameras just to prove that the cops are doing, you know, illegal raids on, on other people's houses using technology that they don't have warrants and not allowed to do. Um, so there's, you know, it, it, it yes, it's funny. Um, but again, it, it, it's still a serious issue where even if the cops raid themselves, uh, we'll get a nice article out of it and a, and a good little chuckle, um, but I don't think that even even in the face of tasting their own medicine, right, will they get the message that, you know, they're doing the wrong thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, even they got a they got a warrant, apparently, for this uh, bust. Well, what kind of judge
3: uh, approved the warrant with so little evidence?
0: You know, what, what point is the is the warrant then? Well, you, you get the judge that you know signs off on whatever the cops want, right? I mean, you know when uh, I I've been I, I'm going to be back in court in a couple of weeks here, um, and I've been there enough, right? And you know and what they say is true, right? It's 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 never a fair hearing when you're in there as a defendant, right? Because you know the judge is on the same team as the prosecutor, uh, and if and if you look to your right. And you see your your defense attorney. Well, he's also already sworn an allegiance to the state apparatus, right? So it's three on one, no matter where you're at. So what kind of judge, you know, would issue a warrant to a cop? Well, same team, bro. You know why why wouldn't they? Uh, what's that? You know, you have you think that there might be marijuana in the home? You know, sign right off on it. Um, you know, they're they're not looking. And again, what what sort of repercussions do judges face? It's it's less than what the cops face right you know you get judges who get pulled over and then you know tell the cop i'm a judge and then then what right who who how quickly does that case get thrown out um it's it's always an us versus them it's always you know there's us versus their entire system um you know and 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 it's always working against us so yeah that's that's the kind of judge who would sign off on that any other thoughts anybody moving on uh any other article you guys want Otherwise, I'm going with beyond stupid. Beyond stupid, a Florida court declares it illegal to grow food in your own front yard. A court in Florida has decided that homeowners do not, in fact, have the right to garden on their own property. Uh, While the court says flower gardens and fruit trees are acceptable horticultural pursuits for a front yard, for some reason, vegetables are not negotiable. Leave it to big government to make it illegal for property owners to grow their own food on their own land. Uh, The front garden debacle in Florida's village of Miami Shores first began a few years ago when the municipality decided to crack down on gardening. Uh, Tom Tom Carroll and Hermione Ricketts, homeowners who lived in the area for 17 years, were advised to tear down the vegetable garden in their front yard. Uh, town officials had ch- changed the zoning laws, making the practice of growing fruit in your front yard strictly prohibited. The officials told Carolyn Ricketts that they would face fines of up to fifty dollars per day if they failed to dig up their garden. The couple did not silently dig up their garden at the behest of local bureaucrats. Instead, they chose to fight for their freedom. Uh, with representation from the Institute of Justice, they sued stating that the city was violating their constitutional right to use their own property as well as the Equal Protection Clause. you think they had a surefire win, since when can the government tell you what kinds of plants can and cannot be grown in your own yard, right? But sadly, property rights in Florida were dealt a major blow instead of being protected. Florida's 3rd District Court of Appeals has sided with the local officials and their attorney, who proclaimed, There certainly is not a fundamental right to grow vegetables in your front yard. Uh, Though the married couple had been growing vegetables in their front yard for many years, the court decided that it was somehow reasonable to outlaw the cultivation of plants to be eaten as part of meal, as opposed to the cultivation of plants for ornamental reasons. Uh, As the Institute for Justice contends, the ruling is a major blow to property rights in America. It's the first major blow to freedom as well, IJ attorney Ari Bargell who represented Carolyn Ricketts in court commented uh, if Hermione and Tom wanted to grow fruit or flowers on dis- or display a pink flamingo Miami Shores would have been completely fine with it they should be equally free to grow fruits for their own consumption food for their own consumption which they did for 17 years before the village forced them to uproot the very source of their sustenance uh, Barjo also also stated today's decision gives local government the power to flatly ban Homeowners from growing plants in their front yard simply because they intend to eat them. Viewing the ruling is viewing the ruling in this rational perspective shows just how unjust the ruling is. The following fathers are rolling in their graves, no doubt. Uh, if the homeowners were manufacturing crystal meth in the front yard, perhaps there'd be something to talk about. But no, these people were simply growing vegetables. Hardly anything that should be of concern to the government. But it's not just Miami Shores that's been cracking down on self-sufficient homeowners. Families in Orlando have been targeted by similar ordinances. Uh, Jason and Jessica from the Orlando area started a petition after the local authorities ordered them to tear up their garden in 2016. Their petition garnered some 10,000 signatures and the government ultimately backed down from their ludicrous demands. Uh, Not only do these bogus property restrictions infringe on homeowners' property rights, uh, these kind of ordinances take a serious stab at Americans' rights to food freedom and further contribute to our culture of dependence. Keeping a home garden is one of the best ways to bolster your independence. Uh, No wonder the government is so against it. Uh, Your guys' thoughts on on this article and again, uh, property rights in general uh, and what you can and cannot do with your own property. This reminds me of the famous case in the 1940s,
3: Wickard versus Filburn, where a farmer was growing grains to feed to his own chickens. And the uh, Department of Agriculture was saying, well, the growing of the grain was uh, beyond the quotas that he was allowed to, to grow under their uh, farm policy. And he said, well, but you don't have any authority. This is just on my own property. Your authority is interstate commerce, not, and I'm doing nothing with interstate commerce. The Sup- it went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled because he's feeding chickens his own food, he's not buying it from somewhere else. And that affects the price of uh, grain on the, inter- on the interstate market. Therefore, the U.S. Department of Agriculture could do whatever they want. So it came to be known as the beginning of the reign of the wheat police, where, uh, you know, really the interstate commerce clause was drawn so broadly that it was used to basically control anything. Including that's the basis too for our drug laws, uh, the Interstate Commerce Clause.
0: Yes. Uh, any other thoughts, Matt? Lee? Okay, well, I, I'm kinda with you on that, uh, Ken. Um, and I think there's there's more recent cases as well. I, I can't think of them off the top of my head, where it's basically the same thing, right? Same same exact situation as that where, you know, the the person that they're confronting is not doing business with somebody else, and they're then they're saying that because you're not doing business with somebody else, that's a violation, right? So they, they you're not allowed to do what you want on your own property because you may not buy it from somebody else. You know you're you're laughing, but this this, this is how it works. Um, and at the same time, you know you must buy from somebody else. You must buy from one of their authorized representatives uh, to get your food, right? You know, we always talk about like, you know, how, how do you live the anarchist experience and get away from the state uh, as best you can? Right. And sometimes that comes down to, well, if you go out into the forest where there's no one else around, you can hunt for food and forage for berries and live that primitive lifestyle, you know, uh, un- until a state agent before they discover you. And that's the point that I was trying to make before they discover you, because then they'll just claim, well, you're on their land. Right, so so they claim ownership over everything, right? The 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 the, the land out there, your land, right? Because if it's if it's your property and they're telling you what you can and can't do with it, well, then whose property is it really? Um, and this this is one of the uh, to we'll, we'll wrap up here in a minute. This is one of the like the little mini discussions I got, you know, with another Ancom who called me a fascist, right? It was like, you know, can you own property? I go, well, of course you can. Right. Because that's, that's, you know, that's that's fundamental to everything is what's mine is mine. As a, you know, the, the problem with it, you know, the, the problem with you and comms, right, is that at some point I'll go out onto what I consider to be my property and I'll plant a seed and then I'll water the seed and I'll cultivate the seed. And then I'll harvest the seed, you know, when it grows into a plant or vegetable or whatever I'm growing over there. And then some asshat Ancom will come over and say, like, you know, you're not allowed to have property, bro. And just, you know, take my harvest and claim it as his own. Right. And so, you know, if and, and, and it's because, right, they they have no value over property rights. um, and then they try to like obfuscate the argument by saying, "Well, property is different from possessions, and you can't really own land. You can plant your harvest, but you don't own the land underneath it." Well, well, then, in my opinion, right, we're talking semantics at that point because you know, if I if I can do what I want with the land, and you can't infringe on that, based even within your skewed view, right? Then who cares what you call the land underneath my crop? right whether I own it or it's unowned and I'm using it you know it's the same it's the same net effect um, in my mind right you you guys have any any thoughts or opinions on that
2: well it sounds like communist China and uh, any excuses the government has can um, result in in taking your uh, private property away Um, our family had many houses, buildings, and the communist government said, well, we don't like you. That's uh, um, You're not with us, you're not communist, so you're our enemy, so we can take your houses away. That's all they they did, um, and they took our house away. Now the houses are li- lived by the government officials in China, and um um we don't have any more houses in China because they took it all away. And um, they felt right to live in there and to occupy them. So and I think in this country, most people hate the idea of communism, but they don't realize they are um, helping to um, get to that stage. And um, the government is uh, undermining private property rights, and using any excuses to violate the private property rights, and maybe eventually even take it away. If you you are um, they find drugs in your house or whatever, and they might just uh, use that to take your property away. So I think it's just really scary, and um, people need to. Wake up and see what you're doing and what you're um, asking the government to do on your behalf. And uh, um, soon you're going to lose everything, your property, your freedom, your liberty, and um, that will be too late when you realize that. So wake, wake up, people.
3: I'm really glad you mentioned the Institute for Justice because they've been uh, at the forefront of challenging all these eminent domain cases. Eminent domain is derived from the Latin for superior owner, or it's been presumed that the king was the superior owner to everything in the kingdom. And that's carried over today where the government presumes to be able to take whatever it wants. And, um, uh, well, it, it, it is ultimately the road to serfdom, as Hayek would say. You know, the more and more you grant... Uh, the authority of government over everything that you own, um, then the more and more you're giving up to an ultimate tyranny. So you have to challenge all those things. And uh, I thought it was uh, great when people challenged the uh, in Kilo, uh, Kilo versus uh, New London, Connecticut, the case where a uh, Pfizer company wanted to take over the property. The city stood behind them. They said, well, you can make a better, a higher, better use of this property, more income and more taxes, so it, it belongs to you. Um but if that's the criteria of taking everything, then nothing really belongs to you, even your own life. And uh, if the government can draft you or, or uh, draft uh, your property,
0: then uh, you're all slaves then. I think that's a nice way to end it. Any final thoughts from anybody? MC? Lee? I'm good. All right. Well, I want to thank... I want to thank Ken and Lee, uh, number one, for being gracious hosts and letting us uh, do the show from here. And also, you know, sitting in on this roundtable discussion as their input is always valuable uh, and their advice always heard uh, in in my life. And I'm sure, you know, with you two, MC, and and your contributions uh, back and forth, uh, helping them out as well. So thank you both. Uh, that'll do it for us. You guys know where to find us: anarchistexperience.com, uh, facebook.com/slash/anarchistexperience. Uh, if you want to contribute to the show uh, by posting show uh, show prep articles for us to read and discuss on the show, we will do that on Facebook groups: facebookgroups slash experience uh, And if you want to contribute to the show financially, uh, we love that too. Uh, yeah, we don't do the Bitcoin yet. Now, we got to get a wallet set up, but we do it through Patreon: uh, patreon.com/slash/the/anarchistexperience. Uh, thank you very much for listening and. We'll I'll talk to you all next week. Peace.